Success is elusive, but it doesn't have to be. This is Limitless Belief, a weekly podcast where we discover the principles of success by those who use them well. Be encouraged, be inspired, be limitless. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Belief Podcast, the show that provides insight and encouragement, ideas and inspiration for people struggling with self-limiting beliefs. Our goal is to uncover the limitless power of positive mindset and limitless belief one conversation at a time. So whether you're at home, in your car, or taking public transportation, we appreciate you spending some time with us today. I'm your host, Frederick Tolbert, and today we're going to talk about conquering limiting beliefs with Robert Whitley. He is the president of Healthy Coin LLC, a boutique accounting firm making the case that health is wealth, period, and board member for an organization called Debtless, whose mission is to disrupt the predatory debt industry through debt forgiveness and financial education. In today's episode, we are going to discuss Robert's personal and professional journey, his views on faith and finance, overcoming self-limiting beliefs with money, and why health is truly wealth. So thank you for being on Limitless Belief, Robert. How are you doing today? Oh, man. Pleasure is all mine, Fred. <laughs> I'm doing extremely well, and I'm thankful to be here. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'm so super excited to talk to you. You know, been looking forward to having this conversation. Um, you know, the, the blessing that this podcast really provides me is an opportunity to connect with so many, you know, so many game changers out there, right, that are doing amazing things in the world. And I believe that, I truly believe that you're one of those people. But before we get into like any of your professional stuff, you know, I always like to try to go back and then just work our way forward. Right. Um, sure. So, I, yeah, do the same thing with you, man. You know, um, where did things begin for Robert Whitley? Right. Take me back to the beginning where your life journey began. Sure. Yeah. Um, somewhere in the early 80s, my father saw my mom. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Not going to go that far back. Um, <laughs> let's go back. So, um I think the proper vantage point from a professional standpoint is to go back to eight, eight years old, uh, opened up a candy store in the basement of my great grandfather's church. Yeah. Uh, selling candy. It was a typical shop, right? Buy in bulk, yeah. sell at a premium, uh, things like Laffy Taffy's, right? Um, uh, pickles, you know, now and later candies. I buy it for like two cents. That was my per unit cost sort yeah. of for a quarter. Yeah. Crazy margins, right? And it was then that I discovered who I was as a person, right? I love the concept of business, finance, and I also liked empowering people to win with money. So right. it's kind of where it starts from. Right, right. I love that, man. And, you know, I was going to say, you know, you know, when we're kids, that's when our dreams are typically the most limitless, um, you know, but there's so many influences and experiences that begin to kind of shape our identity and ultimately inspire who and what we uh, want to be, you know, when we get a little, little bit older, uh, who were some of those other early influences that began to kind of shape your character and beliefs? Absolutely. Uh, fast forward a little bit. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm 14 years old. I am breaking the law by working, which at the time <laughs> you weren't supposed to be working. Uh, so I was yeah. getting paid under the table and I was working at this dry cleaners, right? Yeah, right. It was in a pretty well-to-do suburb, Northwest suburb of Illinois, um, okay. very affluent community. And I'm working in this dry cleaners and this guy comes in and I never got his name. Yeah. He comes in and Frederick, every time he pulls in, he's got a new car. 
huh. Porsche, Lexus, BMW, Mercedes, <laughs> Range Rover. And here I am at 14. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta shoot my shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sir, sir, what do you do? Right. And he's like, I work with money. Mm. And I said, okay, can, can you be a little bit more specific? And he said, yeah, I'm a CPA. Okay. Yeah. And it was at that moment that I realized, okay, confirmation, right? That's what I want to do. So wow. one of the earliest influences that have kind of guided me into pursuing this track, yeah, it was that small encounter. Wow. Okay. And you said you were around like 13 years old when it happened? This uh, 14. 14 yep. years old. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I just love that, you know, just when individuals have that brush that brush with destiny you know early early in the game those are typically the ones that go out to kind of revolutionize things because you have so many more so many more hours invested right <laughs> than yes. uh th than most of us typically do so that's that's really awesome were there any um were there any like character refining experiences um that you may have had in those early years like any hurdles that you personally face as a young man you know that maybe refines your character in a way that maybe is re you're reaping the benefits now as an, as an adult? Mm. That's a great question. Mm. Um, I'm going to marinate on that for a minute. I think one yeah. of the most character defining moments was when I created my first accounting firm. Okay. And I did so in my twenties mm. and I had all the book smarts. I had all the street smarts. I had charisma and charm and people really enjoyed talking to me but I ran into this new wall of adversity that I wasn't prepared for. Yeah. Okay. I was prepared to deal with the limit, limiting belief to borrow your uh, colloquial. I was yes, ready to deal with the skin, right? Yeah. Pigment, right? Racism. Yeah. I didn't have to deal with that. I had to deal with ageism mm. where my potential clientele would look at me and say, Oh, you remind me of my grandson. Gotcha. And immediately I'm, I'm like, Oh, 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 you're not going to take me seriously. So it was early on after my first six L's, right? Kept taking the L. I'm like, how, are, how am I not landing any clients? Yeah. That was a character defining moment. And I talked to myself. I said, look, you got you to gotta come correct. You have yeah. to really prove out that you're valuable yeah. and kind of circumvent the optics. So I think yeah. early on, that was probably one of the most important lessons I learned, which is how to that, carry yourself, you yeah. know? To get past yeah. that and this this was a a lesson were, were there any mentors that were kind of helping you to you know redefine that or were you just kind of learn as you go how were you able to kind of ultimately overcome that ageism um was it trial and trial and error were you just going through iterations you know how yeah t tell us about you know how you were able to overcome the hurdle yeah i'm gonna keep saying this but i <laughs> I, I love your questions. You have the best TF <laughs> questions ever. Uh, so I'm going to gas you up in this process as well. Uh, yeah, I had a, I have a lot of mentors. Um, yeah. And I think it's instrumental to do so. Because yeah. if you can find a mentor that doesn't coddle you and doesn't yeah. put on toddler gloves, yeah. you will become such a force to be reckoned with. And I had that privilege. So, yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always say, you know, mentorship is the only shortcuts in life. Right. You know, there because there really aren't any shortcuts. But if you have a good mentor, they can help you cut like, you know, five, 10 years off of your process, you know, because <laughs> they right. can they can give you all the all the stuff that they had to go through and, you know, suffer through. They can say, you know what, here, here's what you, here's the things you can avoid. You should avoid. Exactly. Here's the, these are the things you should do. Right. And if you're a good, if you're a good mentee, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to do it. Right. So that's the only real shortcuts in life, man. So yeah, I can definitely see how a mentor will really help out with something like that specifically. 
um, let's fast forward a little bit though. You, um, what, what college did you attend? Western Kentucky University and Bowling Western Green. Western Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. What, what, what yeah. made you uh, choose that school? That's a great question. So <laughs> I, uh, I come from humble beginnings. So yeah. I, I didn't know if college would be in the plans for me. Okay. And um, I was gifted academically, but not enough to really, you know, get a full ride. So gotcha. I got into this activity called speech and debate. There's a more fancy term called forensics. And Western Kentucky actually has the number one competitive team uh, okay. on the collegiate landscape. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I was in I was in high school, realized I wasn't tall or fast or sexy <laughs> enough to you know, pursue different avenues. And I got into this activity called speech and debate. So, Fred, yeah. I, I did that junior year, uh, final at nationals, senior year. I got second place in nationals, won the final round. I know this yeah. is a long roundabout answer, but no, carries, it'll, it'll make sense. So I get some national exposure my senior year. And mm -hmm. one of the directors at Western Kentucky judged the final round, pulled okay. me aside, literally off the stage, like, hey, you know, I, I want you to come compete for my team. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay, tell me more. Full ride, room and board, books, meals. Wow. I said, say less, let's go. Right. So, so <laughs> you know, she actually sent, uh, she actually sent us um, a rental car to drive up to Kentucky and get like a feel for the community. Yeah. You know, all expenses paid really showed us a lot of love. And I just remember my mom looking at me and saying like, this is such a blessing. Wow. That you don't have to just play basketball mm -hmm. to go to college for free. Yeah. So that's how I got there from Illinois, it was because, um, you know, it was a blessing, man. Yeah, man. That's uh, they call those uh, fortuitous events. Yes. <laughs> oh, like yeah, we, we, we use that a lot on the golf course. You know, that was a fortuitous bounce. Yeah, I have a, I have a, <laughs> I have, I have a lot of those out there. You know, if, uh -huh. if I didn't if I didn't have those, I probably would stop playing. Um, there you but go. Yeah, that, that's another conversation. Um, so what were some of the uh, the highlights, you know, when you, uh, you know, when you attended college, um, you know, some of the experiences that, that stay, stick, stick with you still today? You know, I know a mm. lot of people, they just like, man, they, they miss those college years. You know, what were some of those highlights for you? Yeah. Um, highlights a tricky term. I mean, I, mm. I discovered who I was in college. So okay. I'm tempted to share kind of the rags to riches stories, right? Yeah. Grinded it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the overwhelming highlight was um, embracing the cultural shock. Yeah. So you got to understand, we got to go back for a minute, Fred. I grew up in Chicago and my teenage years, my parents relocated us from the inner city to uh, a well-to-do suburb called Glenview. Okay. I'll just okay. be transparent, right? Yeah. So I go from a community of uh, lack, an impoverished zone, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And then I move into one of the most affluent burbs in Illinois, where the median income hovers over 200,000. Not that we were doing that, right? We were just living there. <laughs> but um, full of transparency, right? So I go from there to there, where, you know, my classroom is occupied by like 99.2% Caucasians. And then, right, if that wasn't a big enough culture shock, now collegiate years now i'm going to the deep south mm, kentucky mm, yeah right yeah. where 
the number of African-American classmates, you know, shot up through the roof. So now it's like 50, 50, but -hmm. there's this, this subtextual narrative that no one's really talking about, but you feel it because it's not as progressive as it is in Illinois. So just learning how to navigate those, you know, those, you know, uh, how to say, um, encounters, yeah. you know, the dialogue, knowing when to shift and pivot, because yeah. that's important. So I think that's probably the biggest highlight for me is just yeah. growing my awareness and knowing when and when not. Yeah, Reading those, the room, if you will. Yeah, those are great. You know, those are obstacles, but those are things that really prepare you for, for life. You know, a lot of time the curriculum that the school has, they're not necessarily preparation for life they're definitely not preparing you for, for you know uh how to steward finances and stuff like that personal finances say a lot uh, for the people in the back <laughs> yes <laughs> so yeah man it seems like those those were some great lessons that you know really kind of carried over probably into your professional career you know just being able to defeat some of those limiting beliefs the ageism and things of that nature because you had that access to uh different groups of people and and backgrounds and cultures and stuff like that you know it was kind of like a training ground almost probably. Absolutely. I want to put words in your mouth. Do you think it was kind of like a training ground? <laughs> Absolutely. No, yeah. no well received. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Right out of college, what was kind of like your first, your first job? Oh, grabbing coffee for very wealthy um, directors. That was my oh. job. like like an internship almost basically now the the job title was staff accountant oh uh, (laughs) senior accountant um assistant controller by and large it was it was a lot of grabbing coffee for the big wigs gotcha gotcha What, what was one thing you wish you had known when you first began your career that you, uh, you know, in hindsight, you look back on and say, man, you know what, if I knew this, things would be a little bit, they would have been a little bit different. Hmm. I think it's uh, the importance of pivoting. So yeah. Bruce Lee says this quote a lot. He's like, you know, move like water. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Always, always be pivoting. And I think early on, I, I didn't do that. I sought comfort. Okay. So if I could go back, I, I would be more nimble, more flexible, willing to pivot um, yeah. when I needed to. Yeah, for sure. Did you, before you decided to take the more entrepreneurial path, you know, with, the, with, with your, uh, in your, in your professional journey, what other jobs did you have when you were just, when you were kind of like working for, for other employers? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I started working at this uh, laboratory manufacturing company. They designed okay. like some of the you know, scientific laboratory equipment like fume hoods and, yeah. and uh, epoxy resin tabletops where they like administer drugs on rats, you know, the, the sci-fi mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first job. I was there two years, kind of ran the books, did all that stuff, grabbed the coffee for mm-hmm. the big wigs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a good starting point. And then I got into public accounting. So I worked with this public accounting firm. We did uh, audit tax, you know, uh, call it like external CFO type work, right? Helping other businesses run the books. Yeah. Um, and that was awesome. I, I really enjoyed my time there, learned everything I needed to know to be really successful. Yeah. Um, but I didn't feel fulfilled. Okay. okay. So yeah. Tell me about that. Um, for your listeners, when you're in public accounting, yeah, the hours are really heavy. 
Okay. So it, it's, it's not atypical to work north of 70 hours per week. Mm. In the middle of busy season, which is kind of like tax season mixed with audit season, yeah. the hours really shoot through the roof. So there were times where, you know, I didn't have dinner with the spouse, right? I was coming home, tired as all get out, so tired that I'm like trying to heat up my food, but I'm accidentally putting numbers in the microphone because I'm so out of it, right? Yeah, right. And I'm looking I'm like, oh, I'm not making a phone call. I'm heating up leftovers. Wait, what, what, what day is it, right? Just gone. And I realized that's, that's, not, that's not healthy. Right. So, all right, insert that pivoting comment. So after that, I, uh, I joined a company called IDEX. It's, um, it's like a $3 billion global manufacturing company. I, I okay. worked in their, their accounting department for uh, two years and some change. So okay. that's kind of my trajectory there. Gotcha. Yeah, man. Um, I really appreciate that. The, um, you know, it's always interesting to kind of see what that career path looks like and, you know, how it how it informs kind of like those decisions later on in, in a person's career. Uh, once you get a little more, I guess they say, get your feet under you, under yourself a little bit, um, which yeah. kind of leads, leads me to my next question is, you know, when did you decide you wanted to start your current venture, uh, Healthy Coin, or is Healthy Coin your first, you know, entrepreneurial uh, venture or enterprise or whether some other iterations before that? <clears throat> Great question. Uh, mm. Two of them. Let me unpack it. Uh, yeah. Not the first, certainly won't be the last. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've always had my hand in some cookie jar, right? I, I got some uh, angel investments out there. I'm a silent partner for solar companies, restaurants. We've got a real estate syndication. That's awesome. I have an investment portfolio. Healthy Coin is like just the next assignment that I received from, from the father above, right? Absolutely. So, I guess my inspiration for that was um, rooted in kind of a problem. Like, like the way I approach starting businesses, like find a problem worth solving yeah. and then go do that. Yeah. Right. So I just, I just kept seeing this scenario of like, you know, money is, you know, something to attain, but everyone was, was kind of, sacrificing other attributes of health to attain yeah. that, to attain the money, okay. uh, be it, you know, be it health, be it nutrition, be it relationship with friends, community, giving back, yeah. um, living a holistically healthy life. And yeah. I've been there. Like I'll use my own testimony. I've been in that season where money ruled my life. I created an idol out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went without sleep. I went without community. I started rejecting even spending the money that I was earning because I was mm. so like scarcity minded, right? Mm. That's not the way to live life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. kind of divorcing that mindset was really the precipice for starting healthy coin. So, mm-hmm. you know, health is wealth is the tagline, but yeah. honestly, people come to me to learn about, Hey, how can I lower my tax burden? How can I stack more bread? How can I invest? Yada, 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 yada. But like, the, the added bonus, because I, I over deliver and under promise on purpose, the added yeah. bonus is like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're good on tax, right? Yeah, you're going to yeah. pay a lower tax. You're good on money. You're doing great. Right. But let's also talk about your spiritual health. Let's also right. talk about your relationships, your legacy, right? Right. And I think that's really where, that's really where the problem is being solved. Yeah, I love that. Um, 
And I was going to ask you, you know, what, what were some of your core services? I know you said like tax preparation and I'm pretty sure there's like some, some form of business formation stuff in there. Probably what are some of your other core services that you're offering? Oh uh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Check the website. It's a long list. We do, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, accounting, outsource bookkeeping. Uh, yeah. The team will help on consulting engagements. If you want to buy a company, if you yeah. want to sell a practice, right. That's kind of, the boomer generation, everybody's built up this business. It's now an asset. They want to kind yeah. of offload it either with a lump sum or a seller finance arrangement and yeah. then sail off to Hawaii and live out the rest of their year. So we help with that. Um, obviously, tax prep, tax planning, tax strategy. That's the yeah. big stuff, right? Yeah. No one likes Uncle Sam, especially yeah. now. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Pretty much everything, everything to do with dollars. Everything to do with dollars. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's such a competitive environment out there. I'm pretty sure it's the same way, you know, with in the finance industry as it is in marketing and other industries. Uh, as an organization, what is Healthy Coins, you know, value proposition for for, let's say, if there's a prospective client listening right now, you know, sure. what would be what would be your specific value proposition? You know, why would someone, you know, work with Healthy Coin or want to yeah. work with Healthy Coin? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. Two main reasons mm-hmm. I could. Let me be honest, Fred. I could quickly go on like a forty-minute riff, yeah. But I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna limit myself to uh, <laughs> to two things. Number one is that we don't have a principal agent conundrum. Yeah. What you find in larger firms is that there's the concept of a principal agent theory is that you've got one person at the top, call it the Robert, and then there's all these minions under the minions under the minions, and they're the ones that actually do the work, right? Yeah. And you get sold by the big guy, the managing director or the president. And then all of your work is being done by people that aren't that person that sold you. Mm. And oftentimes there's such a disconnect in exposure, experience and familiarity, soft skills, all that stuff, where you don't feel the benefit or the value of the work because you can tell it's being done by someone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where, where we sh- shatter that, is that there isn't multiple levels. There's me and there's the people around me. I don't hire direct reports. I hire teammates. Okay. So Hmm. as dangerous as I am, I empower everyone on my staff to be equally dangerous, if not more. So there's not a situation where, you know, like one of my, one of my guys, his name is uh, Eric. There's not a situation where Eric will be sitting kneecap to kneecap with a client and have to go, ah, you know, I'm not well versed on that. Let me, let me reach out to Robert. No, 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 no. I'll step in if there's something mission critical, but by and large, he's sharper than me, Mm. right? At least as sharp, but likely sharp. Let me be honest. That's the number one thing we bring to the table is that we're small on purpose. It's a boutique setting. It's not like thousands of people and everyone and all these numbers. No, it's small. We like intimate. We like transformational over transactional. That's right. our style. Right. Um, and then the number two reason is that we're way too transparent. Mm. Like, and, and that's intentional. So yeah. a lot of times in my industry, CPA firms or like CPAs will kind of like elevate themselves to this, you know, almost Pharisee, right, type of perspective where it's like, (laughs) uh, you need not know how the sausage is made. Just give us your money and we'll solve the problem. And that's one way to do it. It's worked for a long time. But in this new generation, you can't do that. You got to explain the how, 
the why, and then deliver on the results. Right. So I'll give you a classic example. Someone comes to me, hey, I'm, you know, I own six investment properties. My tax burden is incredible. I, I need help. Not only will I say, I think I have a way to lower it for you yeah. and then follow through, I'm going to show you exactly how I did it. So mm -hmm. even in the absence of me being in this equation, mm -hmm. you're going to know, yeah. right? Yeah. And I feel like that's empowering. So, you know, in that, yeah. in that example, I tell them, hey, you need to do a cost segregation study, capitalize certain assets at a quicker pace than other depreciable assets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they do the homework and they're like, wow, you didn't have to share that, but thank you. Right. That's yeah. awesome. Right. Right. So those are two things that differentiate, you know, healthy coin from other people in the space. I like that, man. You know, I, one of my, one of the people I really like listening to is uh, or reading up on is uh, Seth Godin. And uh, he has this, he has this idea uh, about remarkability, right? You want, if you want to be a successful business and in a competitive environment, you have to, your, your service has to be remarkable, right? Meaning uh, worthy of being talked about, <laughs> right? Um, and the only way, you know, for a company like, your, like yourself, like you said, being small, one of the ways that you can compete in this environment is by doing the things that some of the bigger companies aren't doing, right? They're not spending that time to educate and to get to know their clients and things of that nature, right? This is kind of like a transactional nature. So I really like, you know, what I hear when I hear you talk, I hear, I hear relationship, right? You have, you're, you're building relationships with your clients, right? Um, and I really like that, man. It's super duper remarkable. And um, I can see why you're successful, right? <laughs> uh, because, that, because you're going against the grain, right? And people, people need that nowadays, right? People don't want to be talked at. They want to, they want to have conversations. And uh, I, really, right. I, I really like what you're doing. So just wanted to, you know, throw that back at you. Um, you know, they're, they're, they always say, hey, you know, begin with the end in mind, right? When, when it comes to starting businesses or relationships, whatever the case may be. You know, 30 years from now, Robert, if you can look into your crystal ball, what would have to happen for healthy coin uh, for you guys to say, you know what, we live into our purpose for you guys to say, you know what, mission accomplished. What does that look like? Mm. Hmm. Respectfully, mm. I need to go back and, and make an honest confession. Yeah. I don't like the phrase, or I don't live by, you know, the adage of start with the end in mind. Okay. I, I think that's threatening to uh, brilliance. And, and it's almost overwhelming to do something like that. Mm. Because if I were to try and think of myself 30 years from now, there are so many intricate variables that can shape what that looks like. Is my spouse still here? Are my kids here? How many kids do I have? What is the current political climate, right? Did we have a civil war, right? There's so many ways in which those variables can intersect that it's too crippling to try and think that way. Respect that. I believe in the philosophy of own yesterday, carpe diem today, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then just work on tomorrow. Like that's mm -hmm. my biggest thing is like, I have a whiteboard. I only tackle the stuff for tomorrow. Okay. Not even next week, not even next month. Just worry about tomorrow. Yeah. The future is going to take care of itself, right? You right. just got to show up the day before. Right. So I, I say that because, you know, I, I hear a lot of people come to me and they say, yeah, yeah, you know, my vision is 10 years from now, I want to be at this level and five years from now, I want to be at this level. And there's nothing wrong with that vision. Yeah. 
But if it dovetails, if it goes off the tracks, are you comfortable and vulnerable enough to embrace that? Now you need to pivot from that original vision. Yeah. A lot of people, if they don't hit that target or yeah. they don't think they can, they'll just throw in the towel. Ah, no, can't do it. It's not going to work. It's not in the cards. God closed one door. Another window's not opening. Oh, Lord. Yeah. No, yeah. that's too limiting, right? Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Yeah, not shooting it down. But the, uh, no, I, I live my that. life. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I live for tomorrow. But if I were kind of, uh, I don't know, if I had a crystal ball and yeah. uh, ceteris paribus, everything's beautiful and kosher. Yeah. Yeah. 30 years from now, I'd like to see a healthy coin. Um, really just establishing leading practices that everybody can adapt mm-hmm. and, you know, adopt and adapt so that they can understand finances the way we should have learned it back in middle school. Mm. From personal finance all the way to mid-market business. Mm-hmm. Right. I, that that would be my goal is that it's like a it's a brand that you can trust and the practices are are industry accepted. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, I just wanted to affirm you uh, you know, just you know, thinking about this idea of living in the moment, how, you know, earlier in our conversation you talked about one of the things you wish you had known early in your career was the nimbleness, right? The ability to adapt. And I can see how, you know, in the answer that you just gave, how that experience informed, may have informed, you know, where you are on this subject today, you know? So it's just, it's, it's, it's great to connect those dots, you know, and to kind of understand a person's story and how to get to, you know, their, their operating system. And mm-hmm. uh, just wanted just wanted to affirm that, man, you know, just, uh, you know, standing on that, standing on those values like that is, 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 so, is so key. And right, critical, critical. That, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Well absolutely. received. Thank you. And so let's let's transition a little bit. You know, you know, I feel like our audience has a better understanding of you know Robert, who he who you are personally. You know, not too too much in depth, but we have we have an understanding of who you are, and uh, sure. we have a a better understanding of, you know, as far as your professional track and what you do and what you do very well and your team. Let's talk about, you know, money mindset, right? Let's have a conversation about money and finance and people mm-hmm. and their relationship with money and finance. And also let's talk about, you know, faith being, you know, uh, inserted into that mix as well. You know, albeit everybody's relationship isn't, let's say, necessarily positive as it, as it pertains to money and finance. But, you know, I know you've, I know you've described yourself as a, a Christian who also happens to be a CPA, uh, how do you, how how does faith and finance go together or not right in everyday habits and long term goals? Let's say for your like your clients or even if you want to speak to it from a personal perspective, like how do you feel like these things go together if they do at all? Yeah, that's a great tee up, man. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely a man of faith. I'm a believer. Yeah, but I'm also a CPA, and I think that faith and finance are so integrated that it's almost hard to comprehend that people aren't willing to co-mingle the two. Right. Um, money uh, is, is captured in the Bible. Um, I think it's eight times more than the word sin. Mm. Right. So think of a big term like sin, right. Or, mm. or some of the common terms, right. Jesus, holy uh, follower, by and large money, like, <laughs> 
so often. And a lot of the parables, a lot of the principles, they're driven, driven around the concept of money, right? Mm-hmm. Stewarding mm-hmm. resources. Right. So I, I think the two are um, definitely integrated. And there's a lot of conversations that should be had about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what, what are some of those, what are some of like the the kingdom principles that like inform, let's say us, cause I'm a believer as well. So inform us as believers on how to best steward our resources. Right. And, you know, I know these, 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 whatever these, what, these kingdom principles are not just for us as believers. These are things that, you know, people, you know, outside of our community, you utilize as well. It, maybe they don't know they use them, but they're using them. Right. So, you know, what are some of those kingdom principles uh, that you may have incorporated, let's say, in, in your value system as a, as a CPA that you may incorporate with your uh, with your clients. Mm. Oh, there's so many. Oh man, let's see. there's a let's lot. Do, let's, let's do three. Three. Okay, I like it. Uh, let's start with the biggest one, right? Like this is yeah. a. I feel like it's the, the the biggest one because you've got things like preachers and sneakers taking off where people are having these intricate dialogues about, uh, you know, what, if that's okay. Right. And I don't want to get into yeah. that, but like, uh, yeah. what is it? Malachi three ten, right. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Yeah. That's a kingdom principle. Pay your tithes first 10%. Um, yeah. I, I live by that. I, I tithe to my, my church and, you know, we go above and beyond. So, we try to add 1% every year. Okay. So every year, you know, you start with 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, we're at 17% now. Uh, oh, and wow. when I say we, I mean me and my wife. And the other 7% goes to causes that we uh, we really rock with. So like I partner with a school. I, I throw 2% there. I, I got some non-for-profits. Yeah. There's some percents there. Yeah. And I, and I live by that because doing that enables me to not fall into the trap of the number two principle, which is okay. uh, the love of money, right? So everybody knows, right? The love of money, root of all evil, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's Ecclesiastes 5. Can't quote the verse, but they say, no, it's 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Mm. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. So yes, Right, talking out of both sides of my mouth here. As a CPA, I want my clients to be wealthy. Yeah, I want yeah. them to be abundant and be successful. Yeah, but I don't want them to fall in love with that wealth, that abundance. I think it's perfectly fine to have wealth. Yeah, right, because we are royalty, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when you um, enamor or idolize that wealth and use it as a token of pride. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot wrong with that. But, yeah. you know, if you think about it the right way, having wealth gives you great power, great influence. Yeah. And from where, from, from where I'm sitting, it's really hard to fill an empty cup with an empty pitcher. So if mm-hmm. you don't have money, you can't really help people. You can't donate, you can't build things to uplift and empower other people. So wealth mm-hmm. can be used as an amazing tool you know, to build a better tomorrow for a lot of people. And that's the way I approach it. So the 1% I add every year, that's a way for me to one, stay in compliance with God's law, but also not fall in love with wealth and use it as a tool to kind of create opportunities for others. Um, A lot of people will hit me and they'll say, oh, you know, money's, uh, money's an idol. Money's an idol. No, it's not. It's not. Mm -hmm. Stop, stop saying that. Mm -hmm. 
you're not right. It's not an idol, but you can make it one uh-huh. if you want to, right? You can yeah. quickly make it, right? A, a piece of jewelry is not an idol, right? Mm-hmm. An ark is not an idol. A statue is not an idol, but you can make it one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the inverse of that is also true because sometimes in the, in the Christian community, there's this false glorification of being uh, poor, right? I think mm-hmm. there's this, this like, uh this, this variation of like beauty and not having like like having lack it's almost celebrated yeah and i, I reject that notion because mm. to my way of thinking choosing poverty when abundance is available mm. is quite sinful like why, why would mm. you intentionally choose to lower your ability to be a blessing to someone else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why would i do that so i get paid let's just play here i get paid a million dollars I'm so frustrated with money that I burn the million dollars. And then you reach out to me and say, Hey, Rob, can I borrow a hundred? Yeah. How silly do I look that now I have to tell you actually, no, because I burned it all. No, <laughs> right. that's not right. right. So I think, I think right. cash and wealth and money, it's a resource and it's a utility and it's incumbent upon us to not fall in love with it, but use yeah. it for the, for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we think about when we think about idolizing money, this in a sense, it's not necessarily like worshiping it from a you know, let's say, artistic expression. You know, bowing down to something. You know, like if you look at something like on a TV screen, you're looking at them worshiping it. It's not necessarily that. It's the dependence on money. Would you say would define necessarily the idoliz- idolization of money? The the dependence on money takes you takes you away from your dependence on God. Is mm-hmm. that in a sense kind of where you're is that how you think about idolatry when it when it comes to money? Is like you're you're forgetting where where the source is actually the source of your power, the source of your influence, and isn't necessarily the money is where the money came from. Could you speak to that a little bit as far as like what what idolatry looks like as far as you know mm. someone worship, worshiping money? Is that yeah. is that kind of like your thought process on it, or is it something different? You know, just someone being in that space. <laughs> that's great. That's that's a great tee up. I think it's I think it's two main things, maybe a third. Uh, yeah. The first one, you're spot on. It's the dependence component, where you're depending on money to provide you with, um, you know, happiness, fulfillment, uh, you know, self worth, whatever validation. That's a problem. That's idolatry. But another one is identity. When mm. you tie who you are to your income potential, you're already in trouble. Yeah. Right? If, if you're not more than uh, a, a revenue generating engine, <laughs> you, you, you've already failed. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, sure. that's, that's kind of, to be colorful with you, that's taken us back to, you know, uh, pre-60s, right? During yeah. uh, chattel slavery. Yeah. That, that's how they approach the value of individuals. So, yeah, I, I think if, if you tie your identity to your income, that's one way to get into idolatry as well. I think the last one deals with um, service. Mm. So Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you love one and hate the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despite the other. Can't serve both God and money. So if you are serving money, wealth, and tying your identity into it and depending on it for your fulfillment and satisfaction with life. Yeah. That those three things are how we can idolize money. Mm. It's very dangerous. I, I've, I've seen it happen. Yeah. I've been there too. Let me be honest. Yeah. 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 And I, that's why I really, you know, wanted to know what your perspective was. Cause you, you, you would have that, 
unique perspective of being on both sides, right? Being someone who has had to go through it yourself and then being someone that's helping someone, you know, helping other people navigate through, you know, through this process also. So, you know, I felt, I felt you would have a unique perspective, you know, about, about this topic. Um, you know, I could talk to, I could talk to you about that a little bit longer, but I want to, I want to keep, keep the momentum going and I want to be respectful of your time as well. Um, you know, let's talk about contentment a little bit, right? Why is contentment in your opinion, a worthy goal or, or is it a worthy goal? Right. You know, we th- when we think about, some of these things we're talking about today there there's a contrast right there's a world's way about thinking thinking about things and then there's a kingdom way right if you're a believer um so we kind of talked about this a little bit before the call uh gordon gecko right in the the movie wall street one of his famous famous lines is greed is good and you know that has really inspired a generation of people to to really live into that you know kind of a thought process but then if you compare that to let's say uh you know, uh, First Timothy uh, 6, you know, godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, I guess the question is, you know, how can a person move from that insatiable craving and desire to acquire more and more and more to a genuine contentment, right? Mm-hmm. That could potentially, with, well, based off of what the Bible says, is great gain, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you could speak to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tricky one, man. I, I like it though. I like it. Um, I think it's important to uh, let's kind of draw some boundary lines, right? Let's let's define contentment. Yes. Um, actually, if if you'll allow me, I, I think the way I want to tackle this question—it's such a good question, man. You are oh, you're so good at this. I love it. Um, yes, contentment is. Uh, satisfaction, comfort, acceptance. That's how I would define it for me. Um, But I think another term we got to introduce is abundance, Mm. right? So technically speaking, right? Like, you know, I I got a lot of mentors in my life. Many are pastors. They lead flocks, a lot of shepherds, right? And we always talk about money. It just comes up. And I think we get it wrong when we hear the word abundance. People interpret it as more than enough right? Overflowing, like terms like that mm-hmm. kind of mess up the, the abundance. Yeah. I think abundance can and should mean enough, mm-hmm. like enough. So when we hear scriptures about, you know, having abundance, I think it's a reminder for us to exercise contentment, mm-hmm. right? So, okay. How do you reconcile now that I got the backdrop? How do you reconcile those two things? Well, yeah. Um, Gordon Gecko is a criminal. Let's start with that. <laughs> I think greed is very dangerous and it's one way to get you into very compromising situations fast. Uh, so don't be greedy, right? Like my grandma said, like, don't get what you're going to eat. Don't fill up your plate. Right. Um, but, uh, that's a good one. But it's also important to be hungry. Yeah. And, I don't think the, the notion of contentment should stop people from pursuing uh, more, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with building bigger businesses, driving for bigger revenue, right? Yeah. Frederick, if you just did 12 interviews and then stopped, I would be a little disappointed because you're gifted, you're talented, you yeah. command the room, you're building this amazing following, you've got all these you know, top people hopping on and chatting and vibing with you. Still not sure why you invited me, 
still trying to piece that together. I don't know if I'm <laughs> up there, but right. If you were to just stop and say, Oh yeah, I'm content. We did 12 interviews. I'd be like, boy, if you don't open that blue Yeti mic up again, yeah. you know, yeah, there's nothing wrong with more, but my approach to dealing with this contradiction between, or the seeming contradiction, right. Between greed and contentment is to put the more on assignment. So kind of tell yourself when I make more revenue, income, whatever it is, it's got a purpose. And that purpose is it's connected to, you know, what I'm, what I'm here to do, right? This is my right. service. So, so right. one of the ways I approach it, cause I'm not trying to make less money. Right. I, I'm right. Right. More. Right. But if, and when I do, you know, I'm doing the extra 1% with my wife or donating more to charities, I'm creating new business ventures where I can hire, employ people, and then I'm also serving in my community. So yeah. that's how I would approach kind of, you know, first Timothy six versus the Gordon geckos of the world. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel about it. So let's, let's move forward. Um, you know, how would you define the term money relationship, right? What is that? What does that term mean to you? Money relationship. Hmm behavior yeah. and respect. That's what I would say. It's, it's behavior. How do you behave when you get a little cheese in your pocket? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> you know, it, I guess respect, like, do, do you respect uh, money as a, as a utility and, and, and the way it mm -hmm. works? Utility, I yeah. think, a, I think a lot of people know what money is, but not how money works which is quite a conundrum, right? Because if, if that's what you want, but you don't know how it works, uh, it's kind of like wanting to drive a Porsche, but you don't know how to drive a stick shift. Right. So um, I, I think money relationships all about behavior, behavior and yeah. respect. Yeah, I like that. That's a great definition of what, you know, in your opinion, you know, to say based off of less, like your personal situation, you know, uh, story and, and relationship with money and maybe your clients, what, what do you have? How would you define a healthy money relationship? Or what do you what have you seen in behaviors of clients that would, you know, show someone to be healthy as far as their money is concerned? Mm, that's good. A healthy relationship really mimics that of a human connection, to be honest. Right. Yeah. So money doesn't really have a pulse, right? Okay, it's right, right. <laughs> right. But but I think if you approach it from that perspective, it's easy to understand how you should be mm. behaving with money. So I'm married. Right. Five years. Yeah. Married my my dream, bro. I got a proverb. Thirty one. <laughs> wife. man. Like, let me just give a shout out to her. Melissa. Yeah. She is. She's my rock. Wow. Number one cheerleader, bro. Like, I'll tell you, greatest asset, greatest ROI, buying that ring. I sold my motorcycle to buy her an engagement ring, man. Greatest ROI, more than any property I've ever purchased, yeah. any stock. Right. Love it. So right with my relationship with Melissa, there's do's, there's don'ts. There's right. You can get away with this, you can't get away with that. There's grace, right? Yeah. We always show some grace. But there's some boundaries, bro. There's some hidden cloud boundaries that we don't cross. We don't say certain things. We don't do certain things. Yeah, yeah. There's faith, you know, um, and a healthy relationship with money to me looks like having those rules of order in place. 
-hmm. We do not spend more than 10% of our income on flex saving. We do Mm. not spend more than 50% of our take-home pay on automobiles, which is a fancy way of saying depreciating assets. Yeah, not even an asset. It's like it's like a money sinking thing. Yeah, right. Right. All all these rules, we do not spend. You know, X Y Z. Right. I've got a ton of these that I kind of publish on my page and stuff. But yeah, a healthy relationship starts with those rules, those boundaries. But then it's also kind of a lovely relationship where you can start to see what the money can do for you. Right. Since it is a utility, it opens up the door, right? Mm-hmm. When you mm-hmm. have money, you have capital, and you can extend that to produce more assets. Right. So a big thing that I'm really preaching on my page is like investing, right? Yeah. Letting your yeah. money work for you while mm-hmm. you're sleeping. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool thing, right? Yeah. Be it yeah. Dividends, capital gains, appreciation. So well, let me get back on back on the answer. So a healthy relationship looks like having rules in place. Okay. Um, the ability to embrace you know, positive outcomes, future cash flow generation. Yeah. Um, but then also the money being on assignment, actually understanding what comes in, what goes out and being organized with what you do have and make. I'll yeah. tell you what, I, yeah. if I asked 10 people walk across you know, my house, they walk in front of my house. I guarantee you nine out of 10 won't know how much they spent on groceries last month. Mm. I guarantee you, they probably couldn't even get within a $10 range Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they don't track it. They don't know. They just buy it up. Got it. That's really risky, right? You should know. You should have a general idea of how much you spend, how much you make and be on top of it. Yeah, no, for sure. Budgeting. That's uh, that's 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 stewardship. Right. Um, I love how you say money should have an assignment. That's it's so interesting. It's like if you're a general, your your, your money, your dollars are soldiers. Right. And right. You, you send those dollars to complete missions. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they should they, they right. should they should all have some 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 sort of assignment. Right. Because they. Mm-hmm at the end of that assignment, there should be some return, right? That's right. You know, right, right, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I, I was going to ask you, you know, what were some of the biggest money struggles you've seen, you know, like, but I think we kind of, you kind of brushed on a little bit. I, I kind of want to just kind of go to the next question then is, which is, uh, is consumer, in your opinion, is consumerism, and this is something I'm really, really, you know, Pat, you know, interested in, is consumerism good or bad, right? You know, how do you see consumerism, impacting the thoughts, feelings, and actions, let's say of your clients, right? Or if you even want to give a personal, a personal um, testimony. Yeah. This idea of consumerism is it's something that is going on a lot in our society. And I just really want to, you know, you're a money man. I would love to kind of get your opinion on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, two parts to this. Consumerism can be good and it can be bad. It's, it's good because it stimulates the economy. Right. Um, which is good, right? But it can also be bad because life and media and marketing is structured to tell you what you need. Yeah. Right? So tomorrow, sorry to date your podcast, but tomorrow we're going to watch the Super Bowl. Um, And if you want to edit this out, you can. But tomorrow we're going to watch the Super Bowl and we're going to be inundated with a ton of ads that are 
you know, heavy premiums that huge conglomerates are paying for just to get some airtime with you. Right. Um, And they're essentially telling you what you need. Right. But it's it's incumbent upon us to be responsible and really unpack that, bro, because if I if I watch enough TV, they'll they'll make me think that I'm broke. (laughs) <laughs> don't make me think i am literally homeless right yeah, yeah and yeah. that i i have like the worst life ever so right. you really got to be careful and unpack that and say do i really need it? yeah uh insert whatever it is right do i really need it and if it if you really do then do yeah. you right so i tell people all the time right i'm not the type where i'm going to shoot down enjoying certain luxuries like oh don't drive a nice car don't live in a nice house no, if you really want it for you and you yeah. got the access and the capital, yeah. shoot your shot, live your Go best life. Go yeah. It, yeah. But, but, but here's the hiccup, right? If you're really just strapping that on because mm. you want to turn heads and you want to portray an image that looks mm. like something that you really aren't, yeah, that's called materialism. That's not mm-hmm. consumerism, that's materialism. For sure. Now we're back to that idolatry, right? I- idolatry, that's right. right. Yeah. So, that's what I, that's, I treat it like a, a trip, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you come, life will give you a bag and it's packed with all this stuff that you don't need, right? right? And you're like, it's your job to open the bag, say, okay, I'm going on a trip. I don't need, I don't need this BMW, okay? I, yeah. I don't need these <laughs> shoes because uh, I'm flying there and they're going to have birds and scooters. So I don't, I don't need the BMW, okay? I need, I need this. I don't need that watch. That watch looks really dangerous. I want to go swimming. Let's not yeah. bring that. Right. Yeah. And you unpack this, the stuff you don't need. Right. And then right. put the stuff in there that actually matters. Be intentional about stuff that yeah. really moves you. Yeah. Um, sure. And that's how I approach it. Right. Yeah. I love that. I'm <laughs> not saying I have the answers, but, you know, th- that's just yeah. me. No, I think it's a great perspective. Like, you know, if we think about it on the flip side, then, you know, are you seeing a lot of ev- evidence? Because you mentioned this earlier, earlier of a uh, scarcity mentality. You know, if let's say for yourself personally, how if you have uh, or if you've experienced your, yourself, how, how how have you personally overcame, let's say, this limiting belief of scarcity men- mentality or professionally, how have you assisted your clients in over to overcome it? You know, because that's that's, enough, that's yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's heavy, bro. And it's such a great question. I'm going to give you a raw answer. Yeah. I was so scared to spend money that, you know, once I was blessed to walk into a season of making six figures. Yeah. I, I got depressed because mm. I couldn't spend it. I okay. didn't feel like I had permission to spend it. Mm. And uh, it's, it's weird. Like not a lot of people will sympathize with that. It's not like a conversation starter. You know, I feel comfortable and vulnerable with you, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's like a humble brag mixed with a weird, like, yeah. you know, like, I know ice, right. So yeah. But I had to get out of that because that's a very crippling place. And one way I did it was with the help of my mentor. Um, yeah. He encouraged me to just go out and buy something that I don't really need. Just like, yeah. just do it, right? Something yeah. that makes you smile, just go do it. And, I, and I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do it. I went out, I spent like 300 bucks. I immediately felt buyer's remorse. Mm. Immediately. I couldn't even make it home. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't need this. Like, oh, it's so dumb, blah, blah, blah. And he's yeah. like, I knew you were going to act like this. So now what I want you to do is take that same amount you spent on X. I think it was like cologne. I don't remember what it was. He's like, spend yeah. that, put that same money, go and invest it in the market and buy like a stock. 
mm-hmm. of a company that you believe in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm just like doubling down on it. Like this seems <laughs> counterintuitive. He's like, just do it. Trust me. I said, okay, you've been great so far. I did it. Yeah. Six months later, we reconnected. Guess what had happened? The stock position appreciated 2X. Mm. So mm. now I essentially got the item for free, which gotcha. removed the buyer's remorse because the $300 I invested appreciated yeah. to 600. And then I'm like, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. So then I took it one step further and I'm like, okay, now this has created an opportunity for me to give the 300 because yeah. at, right now I'm at a zero. I got, I've got a $300 item. I've got, you know, $300 of stock that's appreciated. So yeah. I've essentially spent zero money, but yeah. I've already accrued the 300. So now I can just donate it. So yeah. now I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a check to this organization. And they're so like, you know, thankful. Oh, thank you. you know, what inspired this? I'm like, uh, I went out and bought something and then I invested. <laughs> and, you know, so, so now my thing is I love shoes. And every yeah. time I go out and buy some shoes, I will take the same uh, dollar amount invested in the market and then that. give based off the, the result. So that's one of my little tips I share with my clients. Yeah. I love that, man. It's kind of like acorns almost instead of spare change though. You're like, you know what? I'm going to invest that entire amount. I love that, man. Yes. It's such a, uh, it's a good discipline. And, you know, it makes me think about, you know, and you know, my experience with money. Uh, I, I, I had um, some trauma that I dealt that I was dealing with, with money uh, that led to like shock therapy and, you know, what ways that I was utilizing money was very unhealthy, which led to debt and things of that nature. And when I got out of it, when I got, you know, on top of it, when I rebuilt my finances, I felt that same anxiety. And it made me think about, uh, Brene Brown, where she talks about the difference between shame and guilt. And mm-hmm. when I, when I finally built my account back up, when, you know, the shame in me was like, you know, you, you, I don't want to feel that feeling again. I feel like I messed up, you know, and you didn't, you don't, I didn't want to go back down that path. I didn't know if I trusted myself. I was blaming myself about things about money. And when I listened to her talk about it, it wasn't, it shouldn't be shame, right? The, the, the fact that I made mistakes with money didn't make me a bad person. Um, she says that we should have more guilt about it, right? Which is more of a behavioral thing saying that, you know, why did that happen? How did, how could we prevent it from happening again? And that mindset shift for me really just changed my perspective as far as, you know, how, being able to get over that limiting belief, right? It was like, I'm not a bad person because I made mistakes. We're going to make mistakes mm-hmm. that, you know, so, you know, don't blame yourself. But now that we know that this is there, what are we going to do in, in order to ensure that it doesn't continue to happen moving forward? So it's okay mm-hmm. to spend money. Just don't go crazy with it like you used to, right? Don't, you know, um, so it's just, I just wanted to kind of share that too, just to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm in that ball in that in that in that place with you where you know I kind of had that that anxiety about about finance because of my shame about my experience with money in the past you know so hopefully that's maybe helpful to some people out there you know shame Absolutely, man. guilt guilt instead instead of shame basically right you know yeah focus on behavior don't focus on yourself so to speak being a bad person because you made yeah made mistakes. It's just, yo, I just want to change. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to honor you with that, man. Like it takes tremendous accountability and vulnerability to say that. Mm -hmm. So I applaud you. I commend you, bro. That's thank you. That's amazing to be able to, you know, conceptualize that, not let it cripple you. So yeah. 
kudos you. Uh, can I leave you with a quick acronym for, for your Absolutely. listeners? Yeah. So uh, I can't take credit for this. I definitely borrowed it from someone somewhere. Uh, so shout out to that person. Yeah. But um, <laughs> mistakes are inevitable. And I, I, yeah. I treat them like old mistakes. And the acronym is uh, OLD, old, right? So the O is own, uh, ownership, right? Own your mistakes. Yeah. You did it. It wasn't someone else. It was you. You right. signed the loan, right? You <laughs> swiped the card, right? But then yeah. L is learn, right? Learn from it. What could you have done differently? So mm. for me, right? I, it, like kind of my, my philosophy of like the buying stuff, it, it taught me a lesson. And the lesson is if you can't buy it twice, like you can't commit to 2X, you don't really want it. So like I wouldn't get three hundred thing, three hundred dollar thing unless I was willing to spend quote unquote six hundred for it. So mm. learn something. Like mistakes mm. are designed to teach us something. Mm. So right. right. So so the D for me is don't repeat it. Right. If you repeat it, it's not a mistake anymore, bro. It's a choice. Like you yeah. you have a habit at this point. Right. <laughs> so right. Uh, yeah. Right. O own it. L learn from it. D don't repeat it. Don't repeat it. Okay. Right. Yeah. right. And then Write at the down. same. T- Right. <laughs> Appreciate it. And don't be proud of mistakes. Right. Yeah. Some people start to uh, marinate in the mistake territory. Don't don't right. be proud of that. Right. No. Be proud of the growth that it can materialize. But yeah. don't embrace the mistake, because if you do that, it'll turn yeah. into a choice and a habitual yeah. one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Again, full circle. I honor you, man. That's that's man, amazing. That you. You've been able to really get to that that, uh, that state of life. Yeah, thank you, man. It's, it's a process, right? You know, uh, to get to that point because it, it, at a certain point, it, it was very, it was, it was defeating me uh, in a way where, thank God for self awareness, right? Um, where I'm like, you know, something, I'm not feeling any progress here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what what are we gonna do about it, right? Because you know, I, I heard a guy say recently that, you know, our mistakes are our mistakes are real and they're valid, right? Or the the limiting beliefs that we have, like if we have a, a goal and we don't accomplish it, whatever the reasons why you say you 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 couldn't accomplish or you didn't accomplish it, those are true, right? Mm-hmm. Even to, if even if to people on the outside they seem like excuses or whatever the case is, just we as people should be able to honor whatever those those things are because they are true. Mm-hmm. But now that we know what those obstacles are, <clears throat> what are we gonna are we gonna do everything in our power to ensure? that those won't continue to be the same, you know, those same obstacles won't continue to prevent you from, you know, reaching your goals. And I really Come felt on, that, right? Because it's compassion, man, you know, yeah. for ourselves, compassion for other people. You know, like if you told me, you know, Fred, man, I really wanted to do X, Y, and Z, but I just felt like I didn't have enough time. But you know what, Robert, you know, I appreciate you sharing that with me, man. You know, I, and, you know I'm gonna, I wanna, I wanna respect that, right? Now, what are we gonna do? Right. How are we going to implement, put some things in place to ensure that that's not going to be the case moving forward? Let's let's own up to it. It is true. I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to degrade you. But I'm not going to allow you to continue to, uh, you know, let that thing prevent you from, from reaching your goals. Right. And it's, yes. it's, it's, it's yes. these subtle, subtle little things. Right. That we can really make a difference in someone's life. Right. Instead of barking mm-hmm. at them. Let's help them. You know, so. You know, those are things that I thought about, and those are things that really helped me kind of get to where I am today. You know, so I love it. Just wanted to share so good people, man. (laughs) So I got a few more questions, man. I really, really enjoyed this conversation, bro. Again, just thank you for you know investing some time with us today, and uh, you know, I know our listeners are going to be blessed as a result of this conversation. Um, But here's another here's another imaginative question, right? Let's imagine that a client reaches out to you and. For the first time in their life, they are serious about, let's say, committing to getting their financial house in order. 
you know, what are those, what are some of the steps you're recommending to, to them to take to ensure, you know, their own financial security? Like what are some of those foundational steps you're, you're, you're recommending? Maybe it's not even with you. Maybe you're saying, Hey, you need to go here. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to do this, but you know, are you, what are, what are some things that people listening that may be in that same space in that space they can start doing today, tomorrow that can really start, you know, setting that foundation to, you know, uh, create a solid financial house for themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's, so personal finance is one of the arms of, you know, our, our, our services. So oh, great. we do delve in, into that. Um, and there's a lot of principles. I'll give you like the, the top. You want two or three? I'll let you pick. Let's do three. I, I, we, oh. we did three last time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Consistent. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, num- number one is uh, understanding the basic net worth formula. Assets my- minus liabilities. Assets are what you own, yeah. right? They generally appreciate in value and have economic um, resource tied to them. Yeah. Which is a way of saying like you can't treat your kids as assets, right? You don't own them. They're beautiful bundles of joy, right? And they're cute and they're, yeah, yeah but they're not assets, right? right? Some would argue they're liabilities, right? Because it costs a ton, but uh, Six no, they're, they're not assets. <laughs> so yeah, get your assets, what you own, liabilities are what you owe. So it's debt, yeah, mortgage, car loan, yada, yada, yada. And then the difference is your net worth. Now it's not, okay. uh, it's not who you are as a person. It's not your value. It's not a de- uh, definition, yeah. but it is a starting point. And if you can start with that point and progress with that metric that is the first lesson in personal finance Love because it. a lot of people will say oh and it's all about lowering lowering ex- expenses lowering your expenses uh yeah that's part of it but not the most important piece right because if if you make less and spend less you could essentially just be at the same level right. it's about building your asset position lowering your liability position to improve your net worth that's lesson number one lesson number two deals with um putting your money on assignment and understanding where it's going. So knowing sounds, it's going to sound super silly, but like tracking where your money goes, Mm -hmm. we live in a subscription SaaS economy where (laughs) if we're not careful, right, we've signed up for so many like small little cuts to our account. Yeah. But if you aggregate it, it really does some damage on some bank accounts, right? So you've got, you got a membership to the gym, you got a membership to the music, you got a membership to your streaming platform and utilities. Yeah. There's so many, and the numbers aren't that big, right? It's like $10, right. $15, but you get enough of those. Yeah, they will, they will wreak havoc on any type of financial progress. So right. I right. try and tell people, I'm not gonna judge you for what you spend your money on, but I want yeah. you to own what you're spending money on right if you're spending 140 dollars a month for a fancy ritzy gym with like stainless steel barbells and <laughs> cute women that hand you towels wearing lululemon pants cool yeah. if yeah. you go if you're not going you gotta cut what it are you paying for right right, <laughs> cut it. right right yeah so love that all the way through the vehicle so uh that, that's two um network uh own your money put it on assignment and then because if I were to give a third, it would be um, um, learn to invest early. Mm. There's this beautiful eighth wonder of the world that's called compound interest. 
Tell me and, about it. <laughs> yeah, compound interest is a formula that justifies how money can grow exponentially over time. Right. And the reason why is because if you throw a quick number on it, right? $1,000 invested at 10%, right? right? Easy number. After a year, you have $1,100. Right. Surely your listeners can do the math 1,000 times 1.1, right? But then you have a new base. You're no longer multiplying with a base of 1,000. Now you're multiplying with a base of 1,100. So 1,100 times the same percentage, 10%, yields a higher number than just 1,200. Now it's 1,200 plus. Keep fast forwarding that over time. The curve is exponential, exponential, right? Kind of the, right. the, the pre-date of the bell curve. Right. So by starting early, it doesn't really matter how much it is. Right. It's, it's the propensity for growth that's built into compound interest. Right. So a lot of people will come at me and say, no, 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 no. Investing's for rich people. I don't, I don't even know what a dividend is. I don't know what a stock split is. You don't need to know. Right. Get something in there and yeah. start to build that habit of just constant contributions. Yeah. If it's $10, great. It's more than zero, right? If it's $1,000 a month, even better. Yeah. It's a lot more than zero, right? But starting early and doing it often, quickest way to build wealth. Quick, quick riff on that. The reason why I tell people to invest is because the market, <laughs> you're going to love this, especially from a people that look like us. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is, uh, it's an equal opportunity zone, right? It doesn't mm. discriminate. It doesn't. It doesn't mm -hmm. care if you're black, white, yellow, brown, pink. It doesn't matter. A stock is a stock. A dividend is a dividend. And you put money in, it's going to behave the exact same for every party involved. So right. people say, ah, oh, you know, the, the environment and the political landscape and all these walls of adversity. Guess what? There's this magical place called the stock market where if you're diligent, you can put money in and it grows and it doesn't care what you look like. Right. It doesn't care about your gender doesn't mm -hmm. care about your cisgender orientation, your sexual orientation. It's it's a shame-free yeah. zone. Right. So those are the three things I'd like to say, man. Network, yeah. own your spending, and try and invest, right? Make money yeah. passive. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great advice. That's great advice. Um, health is wealth, period. What does that statement <laughs> mean? What does that statement mean to you? Um. True health, uh, yeah. holistic health, um, that is the goal. That, yeah. that is the target, not money. It, it, it's overall health and wellness. Yeah, I love that. Um, and the last thing about the money mindset questions is debtless. Tell me about debtless. You know, what's the origin story of this organization? Um, you know, what's the true north, right? You know, the thing, yeah. prob the thing that you, you guys probably want to accomplish in your lifetime, but you know, getting the ball rolling. So tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, Debtless is, um, it's the underbelly of kind of the bad part about capitalism, right? You've got these predatory lending uh, firms that, that will sign you up for a high interest loan, right? Think yeah. of a payday loan. The interest rate is like 1500%. It's stupid. Yeah. You give someone yeah. a $2,000 loan and then 14 days later, they owe you 3,500. Yeah. It's shady. Like that, that's just not okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's called usury. That's, that's the uh, technical term for it where you're yeah. 
you're, you're just inflating the interest way too much. But the problem I have with it is that it's designed to target certain people in their worst moments where right. they, when they don't feel like they have any other options, right? right. Car broke down, need to get to work. Yes, uh, kid is sick, no food in the house. Right. And I've, I've had family members, not going to name drop, but they've been in seasons where that was their only outlet. And right. I just think it's a toxic, nasty environment. And yeah. we need to do better about protecting our people from that. Right. So debtless is designed to eradicate that debt. So what we do is mm-hmm. we buy portfolios of debt, people that fell on hard times, got strapped with these horrible uh, loans. We yeah. pay the loan off for them. Wow. Uh, True North trying to probably trying to clear a billion billion mm. probably in the in the 10 years so clear a billion dollars and mm-hmm. um maybe we'll try and do 10 billion yeah the next 10 after that yeah 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 that's a great that's a great organization i i uh i did i did about f- almost six years as a uh, branch manager for a credit union here in chicago and cool. uh yeah just countless countless times man people coming in who were members of the credit union for years you know full direct deposit coming to the bank but you know because of this issue with credit um, you know, a lot of time they weren't able to get those bridge loans, right? And they would have to go out and get those thousand percent, you know, loans or whatever for like six hundred dollars. And mm-hmm. that's when I, that's when I became aware of this predatory lending space and how, and like you said, they do prey on you, right? It be, it's because it's the single mother who relies that car on her her automobiles are lifeline, right? That's the thing that's going to get their kids to daycare and her to work, and you know, when that car breaks down and the bank says no then where, what do you do? Right. right. Um, so these, so, you know, predatory lending people, they, they prey on these type of people. So I really love what debtless is all about. And, you know, when we're offline, I would love to talk to you a little bit more about that. Um, yeah. it's, it's definitely a passion for me as well, because uh, it's, it's just sad, man, to see that happen and to see people's resources and wealth being taken away that way, you know, yeah. it's, unf- it's unfortunate that they're, that they're even allowed to do that. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, I don't want to vent too much. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, man, uh, let's wrap it up then. Uh, I I got a few more questions for you and then we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. I think this has been an amazing, amazing time with you, bro. Thank you so much for being patient with me and uh, my pleasure going going through the process, but how do you define success? Right. Uh, You know, on the show, we define success as trusting and loving, trusting and loving God's process more than the end result. Uh, the emphasis being on the, you know, the process and, you know, um, you know, you can set a goal, right. It's, it's great, but you know, the things that whatever you, the things you do in, in between that time from the day that you set it and, you know, actually accomplishing the goal, that's what matters, right. The process, um, how do you, how do you define success? Right. And if, how prominent is money in your, def, in, in your definition, if at all, <laughs> Ooh, that's, a, that's a good one. A little twist on that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would just define success as um, um, overall health and happiness. Okay, that, that's yeah. how I define it for me. I mean, the definition might change for someone else. But uh, for me, it's overall happiness and health, right? Yeah. Spiritual health, financial health. So yes, money is kind of built into that. Yes, sir. I, I do. I do. It, it's weighted, right? It's not like money is 90%. It's like 4%. I, I feel like financial health's in there, um, yeah. you know, personal health, all that good stuff. And then happiness is you, you got to like enjoy the life you're living, the work you're doing yeah. and see the output and, and be okay with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's how I define success because 
It's about capitalizing on the opportunity, right? Yeah. A lot of my teachers told me, hey, knowledge is power. And at the moment I agreed with them. Yeah. Uh, 30 years later, I said, that's, that's BS. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at best, knowledge is potential power. Yes, sir. Right? Nothing works unless you do. So right. since knowledge is not power, uh, it can be more than power. It can be profit, right? And, mm. and profit drives 99% of unhappiness avoidance. Mm. Not to say money makes you happy, but money can somewhat remove the things that make you unhappy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so to really crystallize your, your spinoff there is money weaved into it. Absolutely. But for me, success is happiness and health, man. I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I want to give a big amen to that, right? Because without health, man, whew, none, yeah, of stuff, none of this stuff matters, <laughs> right? Absolutely. What's, what's one common myth about your profession that you would like to take a minute, 30 seconds to debunk? Uh, we're boring bean counters. It's not true. There's some <laughs> of us that have a pulse. We're engaging. We're charismatic. We care about yeah. people and we like talking. Yeah. 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 I got it. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, what makes you feel inspired or feel like your best self? Mm, the illumination I see in people's eyes when I drop a truth bomb on them. And if you yeah. want an example, I'll share it with you. Yeah, please. Uh, Ikea is a non-for-profit. Yeah. Did you know then that? I had no, I, I, my brain actually registered that real slow. So tell me, I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, there it is. There's the illumination, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a not for profit. They are um, not a for profit entity, which means they save a lot on tax. They pay about five percent of tax. Wow, never knew that. That's that's amazing. Um, What do you consider your unique calling from God? Uh, The ministry of finance. Ministry of Finance. Um, and let me see, my last two questions for you. Uh, what big audacious goal do you want to accomplish by the end of 2021? It's a good one. Um, I want to be a good dad. So yeah. my wife is expecting we're having a child later this month, our first child. Um, and I want to be a good dad. That's my goal. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we need more good dads in the world, man. Um, your girl dad, are you a girl dad? I am. Oh, come on, dude. I love it. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, where can you I listen? Children? No, no children yet, man. You know, so uh, okay. you know, yeah, I gotta get some get some advice from you. Uh, you know, later right. on. Um, <laughs> yeah, where can where can I, I listen? Where can our listeners go learn more, go to learn more about you and everything that you do? Yeah, um, all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. Uh, the handle is Trey for Instagram. It's Robert Whitley on all the other platforms. Yeah. I think on um, um, the clubhouse, it's Whitwell. And then I also have a website, which is uh, robertwhitley.com. So Robert Whitley. all over the place. Yeah, mm-hmm. gotcha. And my last question for you, Robert, man, thank you so much again. Uh, tell me something. Tell me something that you believe to be true that others sometimes disagree with you about. Hmm. It's a limitless belief question. <laughs> yeah. Um, complaining is draining. Complaining is draining. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no point to complain. Yeah. There's no reason. We can't be upset about the results if we haven't done the work. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Thank you, man. Any anything uh, I should have asked you, but didn't anything you would like to say to the audience uh, that we maybe didn't get a chance to cover in our conversation? I feel like you nailed it, man. This was an amazing <laughs> round of questions. Yeah. I've enjoyed my time. Thank you again for inviting me. I hope I uh, yeah. uh, held to the standard you set from previous uh, oh, yeah. interviewees. Uh, one thing I'll leave your listeners with is uh, a little bit of empowerment. Uh, yeah. You can. That's all I want to say. Two words. You can. Hmm. You can. Don't mm -hmm. believe otherwise. If there's something you feel like you were placed on this earth to do, you've been appointed by God and called by God, and you have the unique talent to do it. Yeah. Two words. You, you can. can. Health as well, bro. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you, Robert. Man, thank you so much again for joining me on the Limitless Belief podcast. And as I stated earlier in our conversation, you know, I'm sure many people will be blessed by this episode. And I want to say to everyone listening, you know, thank you for investing some time with Robert and, Robert and myself today, uh, this week. And until the next time, remember everyone, be limitless. Peace. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. For more episodes just like this one, be sure to subscribe to Limitless Belief wherever you get your podcast. And remember, knowing means nothing until you apply it. So get going, get growing, and I'll see you on the other side of Limitless.